Welcome to On the Prowl. Welcome back to another episode of On the Prowl Podcast. I'm your unofficially official host for the moment, Ramey Johnson, and I'm here with my brother. Shelby Johnson. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm hoping I keep the seat warm for Robert and hoping we don't get canceled or something. So here goes nothing, right? Here goes nothing. And this is nothing that we're going to talk about is the NBA draft. All right. So let's start off with the hometown Memphis Grizzlies. Well, yeah. And so as we know, um, the Grizzlies had four draft picks and two signees. And so I guess we should start with just breaking down each pick and signee for the Grizzlies, talk about a little bit of um, what we're looking forward to and what we think these draftees and signees bring to the table. All right, so first, our first pick of the day, well, the night, I guess it was, Jake LaRavia out of Wake Forest University, uh, 6'8 wing. Yeah, 6'8 wing, 235. Um, spent three years in college, actually spent his first two years at Indiana State, go Sycamores, and then um, transferred his last year of college to Wake Forest. Um, I know some of the things I, I kind of was looking at when I was watching some of his highlight videos and checking them out, um, more than anything, he has just a nice stroke, really pretty stroke. Um, it's going to be really neat to see him sort of in the fold because one of the things that the Grizzlies have sort of always missed out on is scoring. Um, and so I, I think it'll be really really nice to sort of have his athleticism, his ability to um, get off the ball and shoot. And again, really, really pretty stroke. And I think the other thing that really stood out to me about him was um, he didn't give up on plays. A lot of his highlights show a lot of hustle plays. A lot of his plays showed a lot of tenacity and just not giving up on things. And so I just kind of, I think he will really fit into the culture of the team. Um, anything else you noticed about LaRavia? LaRavia, I should um, say? The biggest thing I noticed about uh, Jake, LaRavia is that he's just a smart player. I think that he makes the, the right plays. He makes an effort on plays. And I just think that, like you said, it fits into the Grizz culture well. I think he'll be a, it'll be a pretty seamless transition into the the big time status of being a pro athlete for Jake LaRavia. So I I do like this pick. And, and, and the other thing that really kind of um, kind of came to my attention as, as, as this came around, as most of you know, um, while he was our first draftee, he was not technically the Grizzlies' first draftee. Um, that was a part of a deal we made with the Minnesota Timberwolves. As you guys know, we had 22 and 29. Um, <clears throat> we, we traded up to 19 to draft LaRavia. And as most of you know who keep up with the NBA, LaRavia was not a part of many mock drafts at all. And I think one of the things that kind of came to my mind going through the night was... Um, this front office, the, the you know, Zach Kleiman and company, um, they don't really care about your mock drafts. They don't really care about your draft grades. They, you know, they don't really give a flying flip about any of that. Um, one of the things I really commend um, this front office about is um, they they go after what they want. They, they don't really give in to conventional wisdom. They don't really give in to draft grades. Um, they're not even really concerned about um, about what what really people think about anything. They they. They have ideas about who they want and what they want, and they go after that. And I think that's kind of a noble quality of a front office, and that's part of why I think he was named executive of the year this past season. Yeah, you think back to last year uh, with the 10th pick in, in that trade we had with New Orleans, trading up from 17 to 10 and all the other extracurriculars going on. But specifically for this draft, we traded up from 17 to 10. We picked Zaire Williams, and a lot of Grizzlies fans were hesitant and there are other words that we can say here, but main word is hesitant 
on picking Zaire because he was a quote unquote no name. Um, a lot of people didn't know him. A lot of people didn't know his story. So they just saw this. We traded up for somebody that we didn't really know. And a lot of people were hesitant, but come to find out we had been scouting him since his days at Sierra Canyon. He had a lot of praise from LeBron, D-Wade, because those his kid, those kids played with him and they knew about Zaire. And so it, we, we looked, looked back to it a year later and think like Zaire is a solid member on this team. I mean, during some of that play, the playoff run, he was like the second, third best player on the team. You think back to game two of the Golden State series, he hit a lot of big jumpers down the stretch of the game. And that's not his only time, but I mean, he had, he had a lot of great moments. So I'm very happy to see the future of Zaire and this Grizzlies team. So let's let's hope the same with Jake LaRavia here. And fun, fun, fun that um, we will be mentioning a little bit of Zaire later. Also, another fun fact, you know, tonight he's actually doing the guitar smash at the 9 FC game as we're recording this on June 25th. Yes, we are. Uh, yes, Zaire will be at AutoZone Park doing the guitar smash, which shout out to Memphis 9 FC for the great season they're having. Yeah, currently first place in the East. That is Awesome. Um, yeah, moving on. Um, uh, our, our ladder pick in the first round, um, David Roddy out of Colorado State, um, listed as 6'6", 255, built like a tank, um, spent three years at Colorado State. Um, some of the stuff I, I noticed and I have here in my notes, like you see him. And the first thing that comes to my mind is PJ Tucker. Um, I mean, yes, you look at him and he... Sure, he doesn't have the quintessential NBA body, but again, he gets after it. He is, for lack of better phrasing, a goon in the paint. He has a way of breaking guys down and getting what he wants. He, he dives for the loose ball. He is a bruiser. He, and believe it or not, for a bigger guy, has a really nice stroke, um, which I, I, I know is kind of one of those stereotypes people like to sort of um, debunk. But again, really, really nice stroke. Um, I think the one thing for me, um, and, and this is something we'll sort of get to um, here in a minute, but like, you know, he is 6'6". And so um, and so not to say he is like a Zion Williamson, but like a Zion Williamson, sort of the, the questions of, you know, clearly he's not a two. He's not um, sort of that thinner body that you would think of as a two. And he is a bit shorter than you think of as a three or a four. And so that will be something interesting for Taylor Jenkins and crew to sort of um, sort of gauge um positionally speaking where he will be assuming that he does have a stake in this team and again this is something we'll get to in a minute but that, those are just some of my um, initial thoughts yeah uh big body david roddy book it but uh regardless uh david roddy the biggest thing i saw about him is like uh pj tucker and the Moda player kind of the, the heart and soul guys can do a little bit of everything on the court um i think david roddy has uh a, he's a better shooter than pj tucker but just that mold of player, he'll he'll do he'll make the hustle plays. He'll get he'll get what he wants, and I think every team should should uh, go after that. Uh, I'm pretty sure PJ Tucker is a very valuable player in this league among NBA front offices. So, um, just that that mold of player is something special for this Grizzlies team. And I know as a rookie, he he may not have that same type of uh, status, but he'll get there one day. And I think this is a good pick. Uh, for the Grizzlies, I know Grizzlies fans are sad about the, how this came, this pick came about, uh, trading DeAnthony Milton, which we probably will get to later. But um, David Roddy, he's he's going to be a good piece for this team. And like you said, Taylor Jenkins will have some fun trying to figure this out. But I mean, Taylor Jenkins is one of the best coaches in the league, so that shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, so to recap, we have gone through Jake Laravia, um, 19 pick. 
David Roddy was our 23rd pick, which we'll talk about that trade with Philadelphia momentarily. Uh, moving on to the second round. <clears throat> Once again, a um, another trade at 38, um, initially drafted by the Minnesota Timberwolves, but now in Memphis Grizzly, our hometown Kennedy Chandler. Um, six feet tall point guard, list at 171, as we all know here in this Southeast area, spent his one year at Tennessee. And as we also know, um, local product, um, he is a Briar Chris guy. Um, oh, I'm, I misspoke, not drafted by Minnesota. Um, San Antonio, that is so right. Um, man, oh man, pardon me, San Antonio. Um, but anyway, so as most know, spent his, his formative years right here in the 901. Um, Briar Chris standout, spent his senior year of high school at a, at a program called Sunrise Academy out in Kansas. And, yep. Um, fairly not even pursued by Penny Hardaway until he spent his one year at Tennessee. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, I'm kind of torn. I'm kind of, um, this is not one of those picks that I was just, just totally over the moon about. Um, I had my sort of concerns. Um, he sort of struggles with the ball handling. Um, he is a shorter point guard. Let's just call it what it is. He is a shorter point guard. Um, and there are some question marks involved, but, um, the flip side is the flip side is again. Um, he's a good guard. Um, he can even sort of guard some, maybe some of those uh, two guards. He also has a nice shot. Also very active hands. Um, he, um, he, can, he can assist on the double team. He gets after the ball. He um, pretty highly rated stealing point guard. Um, and so some of the, those are some of the positive I've seen. Um, I don't know. And again, <clears throat> and, and I've said this sort of off the air, um, you know, I, I become a fan of, of my team's players the minute they become a part of our team. And, and I'm rooting for Kennedy. And again, it's a very cool and neat story. And I do trust in climbing. Um, but like I said, full disclosure, it's one of those things I was like, oh, <laughs> we have them. Great. So, um, you know, we'll see how that experiment goes. Um, and, and it also kind of, you know, my, my also initial thoughts were what this means for Tyus Jones. But again, we'll get there. And and I was going to make that point. I think I think the biggest drawback is not not against Kennedy himself because this obviously isn't something he can control um is the potential loss of Tyus Jones I mean you think back statistically one of the best point guards when it comes to assist to turnover ratio um he's one of the smartest players in the league one of the best backup point guards in the league I mean he could he could start in in most of the situations in the league right now he could he could go to somewhere else and start he's that good of a player he just he's kind of ex- accepted his role in this team and those moments when jaw was out he was a big factor as to why we were so good without jaw so i do think that not as a drawback but with kennedy chandler i think the biggest thing for me as uh as to why i am excited for the pick is that i mean he is a hometown kid he's from memphis he has a lot of he has some ties to John Morant and this Grizzlies team. So, I mean, it's gonna, he's going to fit into the chemistry aspect of the team well, which is one of the biggest reasons for our success this past season. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, as far as his play in college, I mean, he was a young prospect that came into a kind of hectic situation at Tennessee. So I'm not going to uh, bash him too hard on any of the mistakes that he had. And I mean, you saw he, yes, he's an undersized point guard, but he made up for it with his peskiness. And I know that according to Dylan Brooks, that's not a term that is not a term of endearment, not a term of endearment for sure. But uh, we as basketball fans who aren't as connected as those guys, we see that as a plus peskiness because he is able to get in there, try to get those steals, try to make the extra effort to win a game. And that's what you want to see for a potential player. Well, he's a player, a potential 
rotational piece for this Grizzlies team. So I'm, I am excited to see what could happen. And, and you did bring up a, a good point that I, I failed to mention, David, and consider was that relational aspect. Um, um, a few summers ago, and that, in fact, that the summer that had the pandemic, and when they're having those close scrimmages, um, Kennedy and Ja got really close. Um, and sort of rumor had it that Ja was a big part of the Grizzlies taking a chance on Kennedy. And um, Ja had a lot of good words to say the front office and, um, and Kennedy's here for a reason. And, you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Kleiman would have just listened to John and been like, oh, okay, we're, you know, we wanted to do this, but we'll take Kennedy instead. Um, but no, I, I think having that relational aspect is very meaningful. Um, and, and one of the things that makes this team as awesome as it is, is that camaraderie piece. And, um, if Kennedy can add to that, then, um, I think that is pretty special. Yes, I agree hundred percent. Right. Um, yeah. So, so <laughs> moving on to the only pick of the night that the Grizzlies actually made themselves for themselves. Yes. Um, going to number 47, um, a gentleman by the name of Vince Williams Jr. Um, listed at 6'6", 205, listed as like a 2'3", two, 2'3". Three, two, three. Two, three. Yeah. Um, That's what I haven't seen. Yeah. Also, um, four-year guy. Um, the only four-year guy that we had we, we, um, we drafted. We actually signed another four-year guy. I'll get, get to you in a second briefly, but um, only four-year guy we drafted. But hey, we like that, mm-hmm. i.e., See Desmond Bain at a yes. TCU. Um, and so I admit, not all, you know, in the spirit of full, full transparency, he's one of the ones that I didn't know much about going to the draft. Um, but um, after, after some of the things that I was able to ascertain and, and through film and things like that, um, this guy is a guy who can guard multiple positions, which is true of a lot of these draftees and something that really kind of stuck out um, sort of like a Dylan Brooks. Um, he is a guy who has the quickness to um, kind of follow your guards. And he also has um, sort of the girth and durability to follow your bigger guys too. And so um, he's a shot blocker. He is a guarder. He is someone, again, doesn't give on, on plays. You're noticing sort of the, one of the motifs that climbing is all about. He is very much about, the tenacious defenders who um, aren't going to give up on things. And so, um, you know, admittedly, like I said, not a whole lot I know about him, that there is sort of a theme I want to get to, but we'll sort of get to that in a second. Um, was there anything else you sort of noticed about Williams? Um, I'm, I pretty much noticed the same things about you. He's that tenacious defender. One person that came to mind was, uh, as a comparison, was Herb Jones from the New Orleans Pelicans. He was one of those guys that didn't have much stock going into the season. He was an undrafted uh rookie free agent out of the University of Alabama, played with Colin Sexton, uh, current Cleveland Cavalier guard. But um, he's one of those guys that didn't have that much stock coming into the draft. And Williams was drafted. So, I mean, he I guess he has an, a leg up in that category. But um, came in and once he started to get that playing time, he made that immediate impact, especially on the defensive end. I mean, uh, you see stats saying that Herb Jones was one of the best defenders in the league, like uh, the plus minus in the defensive stats with Herb Jones on the court for the Pelicans was so much higher and so much better than off the court. So, I mean, he he made that immediate impact and was in consideration for like first team all defense as a rookie. And that's something that you don't see very much. So I think uh, under the right tutelage in the right situation, which Memphis is definitely that right situation for these young players. Uh, with the player development system that we have here in Memphis, I definitely think he could make that impact. And I know he he may not be a household name for many, many fans across the NBA or across the city of Memphis now, but once that impact hits, you'll, you'll know the name Vince Williams. So I'm definitely excited to see what, what he can bring. So that kind of wraps up our, our draft portion of the night, but um, <clears throat> um, we did have two 
undrafted signees, first of which being um, Kenneth Lofton Jr., um, two-year guy at Louisiana Tech. Um, 6'7", 276. Yes, you did hear that right. 6'7", yeah. 276. Yes. Um, again, just bruiser. Lofty, um, lofty. Yeah, <laughs> lofty, lofty, indeed. Um, I think one of the interesting things that, that stood out to me was um, back after the college season ended, he entered the transfer portal, and Memphis Tiger fans were just stoked um, because apparently had he decided to stay in college, um, University of Memphis was one of his targets. and so. It is funny that a lot of people were were thrilled when they found out he was possibly heading to Memphis and they were, and much like Lester, he has made sort of an 11th hour decision to stay in the draft. And a lot of Memphians were um, pretty torn to shreds about that. And so it was interesting to see that um, in in an interesting twist, he would still be arriving in the city of Memphis just under um, a different uniform. And so one of the things that I just, I do very much enjoy about, about, um, Kenneth Lofton is he just he's a bully I mean he's a bully I mean again you guys heard his height and weight he just I mean he, he he's an intimidator he's a bully he gets what he wants in the paint he backs you down he um and oddly enough he he knows how to use that weight he yeah. knows how to um sort of command his presence with his body and again I I know I know when when you know, maybe the, the casual fans see him, they're like, oh my gosh, it's, you know, it's like a defensive tackle on a basketball court, um, but in a china shop. Yeah. And um, he knows how to use himself. He, he has pretty much had the same height and width ever since, you know, halfway through his high school years. And so he's had some time to adjust to who he is and what he's doing. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people argue that he left college too early, much like Lester, which we'll get to soon. And maybe he did. And I still think that even on, a, on on this two-way deal, he can contribute to the organization. And I was about to make that same point. I mean, people can argue that, yes, he made a decision too early about leaving college. But at the same time, he has the opportunity to prove himself. I mean, you got the summer league coming up soon. Uh, Which I am stoked for, by yes, the way. Yes, I we will be watching some summer league games just to see how this team rolls out. We're going to be looking like a whole bunch of bouncers out there with all these big bodies. But... <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going to work out, so I'm, I'm not too mad at it. But um, on, on a serious note, I'm very excited to see what Kenny Lofton has. I, I remember coming out of college uh, or coming into college, and I remember when the Memphis Memphis days uh, in the NIT when he was playing because uh, Memphis would play the game right before. So they talked a lot about Kenny Lofton, and uh, those announcers had just tons, tons to say about him. All good. They're just talking about how dominant of a force he is, how how he works his big body to his advantage, and all just all all a whole bunch of good stuff about Kenny Lofton. So I'm very excited to see what he has to bring to the table for the Memphis Grizzlies. Most definitely. Um, and finally, um, a, a guy out of Virginia Tech by the name of Keeve Aluma. Yes. Um, six nine two thirty five. Also four year guy at Virginia Tech. And I'll be be totally honest with you. I know very little about him. Um, I'm sort of leaning on you a little bit to, to tell us more. Um, I personally don't know too much about him, too. I remember him being a big factor in the Memphis-Virginia Tech game uh, at the Barclays Center in that Invitational. Sure, sure. Um, I remember his name being brought up a lot. I, from what I remember, he was he was another one of those defensive anchors. Um, he made those hustle plays, which is, again, a theme that we see from Zach Kleiman and company with this front office. So um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited to see how this team rolls out. But as far as Aluma himself, uh, 
we don't know too much about him, but that just gives him a further chance to prove himself. So I'm looking forward to see what he has to bring. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, and so as we were sort of alluding to earlier, going through this draft sort of um, had me pondering a few thoughts and options and sort of, to sort of get your feedback on this. And then you can, you know, give me your thoughts on this as well. Right. Um, and so of course, one of the first things I, I, I thought about was um, as a lot of Grizzly fans know, um, both Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson are um, free agents this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very unclear as to if they're going to resign, if the Grizzlies even have intentions of resigning them, um, especially when it comes to Tyus. Um, Tyus is arguably um, one of the better, if not the best, backup point guard in the NBA. Um, and obviously, when you get into that, you, you get into consideration could he have a starting point guard role? We don't know. And then um, and then with 38th pick, after a trade with San Antonio, of course, <laughs> um, I know, right? After this trade with San Antonio, we bring in local boy, Kennedy Chandler. And so, I don't know. Um, and, so, and so that paired up with um, another motif I've noticed that you probably did too. Um, <clears throat> one, two, three, four, five of the six draftee signees um, from Thursday night are sort of those combos um we have we didn't really draft any solid twos any solid threes any solid fours we drafted a lot of um, switchers a lot of combo guards combo forwards and so um in my mind anyway it does seem like um at least kyle is probably out the door um and I, i'm i'm not 100 on what, what that means for tyus either um i don't know you have any thoughts on that i so i'm gonna hit your second point and then i'm gonna backtrack okay so um, the combos. Um, the biggest thing that I've seen in this trend of NBA basketball, as far as, especially since the Warriors dynasty, one of their biggest uh, traits that maybe not a lot of people bring up is their lineup versatility. Uh, so you have you have times where you ha- you have like Draymond running up the court with the ball or Clay, Steph, blah, blah, blah. And I say that to mention that um, most of their guys are, besides like Steph, they're like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six and up. So they can have that those combos and they have different lineups. Like you had the Hampton Five uh, with Steph, Clay, Draymond, Katie, Andre Iguodala back in the day. And now you have uh, their local rendition, or not local, their past rendition of Steph, Clay, Draymond, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins. So you you had like lineup versatility going on with the Warriors, and that is one of their key key uh, de- determinants to their success. So I think that that's this is a growing trend in the league now that uh, lineup versatility and switchability, and even the rise of small ball with uh, the the last like really big example you see with that was the Houston Rockets having PJ Tucker at the five, even though he's like six five. So I mean. Uh, I think that this lineup versatility thing is a very real and a very uh, growing trend in the NBA. And it's it's fun to see because, I mean, especially having guys like Jaron Jackson Jr., who is, quote unquote, the unicorn because he can do so much on the court. And guys like Bam Adebayo, Kristaps Porzingis, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, you you have Giannis Antetokounmpo. You have a lot of these guys that can do a lot on the court. So you have the ability to switch positions, switch uh, defensive rotations a whole bunch of stuff that creep that has come from that lineup versatility so i think that the grizzlies have taken taken notes on this and are hoping to implement our own grit and grind style lineup versatility so i'm happy to see that but as far as the two guys that you mentioned uh tyus jones and kyle anderson i i think they at this point i think they might both be out the door which is so sad for me to say because i love both those guys 
dearly. I mean, and any Grizzly that comes to this system, I love him so much. But like you said, Tyus is debatably, which I personally think he is the best backup PG in the league. He could go to a situation right now and start. He could go to like a New York, uh, New York and start. But and then you have Kyle Anderson, who is one of the more underrated pieces to this team. Uh, he had a lot of veteran leadership in this roster. You saw what he did in that Golden State series, especially when Jaw went down. He uh, he took the reins of a lot of ball handling, playmaking, and he was he was dominant. He was he was a he was a maestro down there. So I'm I'm sad to see, but I mean, again, this front office is one of the best in the league, if not the best. So if they if they know what they're doing, then we all we can really do is sit back, relax, and watch the show on the. Unfold. You you mentioned Jaron Jackson. Um, <clears throat> that kind of leads me to well, it's going to be my third, but since you mentioned him, he's going to be my second point. Um, I think this draft showed that they are not quite ready to to let him be their full time five, but I think they're getting there. Yeah. Um, you know, last year obviously he is our starting four. Stephen Adams our starting five, um, and then toward toward the middle of the season, definitely toward. Um, into the postseason, we, we saw um, this sort of smaller lineup, like you were mentioning with the Hampton five and such, where um, Jaron was our five, predominant five, and Brandon Clark was our four. Um, I think having a lot of these, again, these these combo versus switch guys um, being there, again, I, I think as these guys progress and if these guys really stick, I, I think we are getting to a time where Jaron is still trending toward that five, but I get the feeling that that's not – um, completely the case yet. I think the biggest thing about Jaron is that he lacks that aggression to make him that full time five. He's not a rebounder. He's not going to put up. He's not going to put up twenty ten and five blocks a night. He'll put up the twenty and the five blocks, but those ten rebounds is they're not going to be there. So I mean, and it, that's no that's no slight to Jaron because Jaron. I personally think Jaron has all the NBA potential. I think he's going to be great. Oh, multi time all star. Yeah, no, I think, I, I think I think Jaron will be great, but I think he's still. He's still getting there. I mean, he's still only 22. He he just became eligible to drink full time. So I mean, he's, <laughs> legally, right? Yeah. So so I mean, he's still very young. He's still got a lot of time to grow and develop into his NBA body, his NBA talent. So and to the point, had that rebounding been there, it's possible that he would have in fact won Defense Player of the Year this year. And yeah, and I I personally think he should have been an All Star this year. But who am I, right? So, um, but he's gonna be great. I, I'm I'm not too worried about whatever that the Grizzlies have him do because he's, he's just that good. He's that talented. And so tell me this, um, <clears throat> one of the, one of the other things I, I kind of pondered and wondered is, does this draft spell or mean anything for one Dylan Brooks? <sighs> I think so. Um, we mentioned a lot of things we mentioned, a lot of the guys, we, we had those combo combo guard wing guys. Um, that kind of is what Dylan Brooks is. So I think that, especially with a budding Zaire Williams, as we mentioned, exactly, exactly. Like he, I mean, you have you have these guys, and somebody's gonna have to fall out of the rotation. And I think it might be Dylan Brooks. As much as I love Dylan, Dylan the villain, he's he's a great player for this this team. But when his time might come, I, I think that's about where I am. I think pre-draft, um, I was still sort of on the fence, leaning toward Dylan was going to be around long term. I think after this draft, I am, if nothing else, more hesitant to to go that definitively. And I could even, I would, I would even, you know, believe somebody if they say, or they they were to say they lean toward him being out the door in the near future. And again, I'm not saying it might, it, it might, it might be one of those situations where he's there opening night, and if something were to sort of spill over, um, he might be 
um, a trade deadline piece yeah. um, in February. I and so I agree. Um, I think that's I think I think the Dylan Brooks thing is, is something to keep an eye on, especially again since um, since there is still a lot of belief in Zaire Williams, who showed a lot of promise after that tenth pick. Which, by the way, I think it does sort of go to show, as we were sort of mentioning earlier, um, this idea that that Clyman really does have that eye for talent. I, I know a lot of people were, um, a lot of people in Memphis were, were giving Zaire that that New York Knicks treatment where they, they boo the draft pick, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, who's this guy coming out of Stanford? And again, um, very highly recruited. Um, a guy that the Grizzlies studied and um, throughout the year showed a lot of promise was, um, you know, maybe not integral, but he was um, uh, a very uh, useful piece in that playoff run that we just had. Yeah. And so again, um, I don't know if this is the end for Dylan, but I do think this is something to monitor, if nothing else, um, especially if um, these guys come in who are um, maybe not as ball dominant or as ball centric as Dylan sometimes is. Um, this is a very fluent and fluid offense. And so um, if we can get some guys in here who can um, keep that ball rolling as opposed to that ball stopping sort of mentality that Dylan, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you perceive it, uh, mentality that he has had in his time in Memphis. Yeah. Um, so so a couple of other things we wanted to touch on. Um, <clears throat> Um, for for our college fans out there, um, we did have three Tigers um, find their way to the NBA. Yes. Um, yes. And we'll, we'll sort of start with our two way and work our way up, if you will. Um, right. Let's do it. Lester Quinones. Lester, um, Lester, Lester. Good old short shorts. Oh, yes. Um, as my sister in law and mother both call them, pretty legs. Um, I know, right? And so um, uh-huh. found his way on a two way with our reigning NBA champions. Golden State Warriors. Um, I'm starting to think they just like the light brights over there. You got you got Steph, yeah. you got Clay, you got Poole, and they got Lester. It's yeah, just, right. yeah. Uh-huh. Like a light skin party over there. All right. Um, yeah, you know, and, you know, he, he may or may not actually spend a lot of time in um, the Chase Center. And um, I... <laughs> As much as I would love to hate on the Warriors, um, he probably is in a, in a good starting place. Again, kind of like we were talking about with Kenneth Lofton Jr., a lot of Tiger fans in this area were very, um, very dismissive of his decision to to part with the college life and move on to the NBA. And um, I think it sort of, in all likelihood, has probably worked out for the best. I mean, he's in a situation that clearly values his position. There, He's in a position where he, um, he has the pieces in play to really learn under. Um, he definitely does not have to be the guy anytime soon in a place like Golden State. Right. Um, and so, I don't know, just just briefly, um, what do you think about his potential NBA career? What, what do you think we're saying about Lester Quinones in five years, 10 years? Um, what does NBA career look like, if at all? Well, as much as we hate Golden State, and yes, we do. Um, proud of it, too. Proud of it, yeah. Yeah, we hate you, Golden State. But regardless, um, say what you want about them. Their player development system is one of the best in the league. So like like you were saying, if we're going to talk about a situation for Leicester and we're rooting for Leicester, not Golden State, um, I, I think his career could could very well be more than just two-way. Um, he's got the talent. Uh, I mean, heck, you I mean, you look at Poole. He was probably, I mean, not probably, he was very much in that same position. Yeah, no, he was, I mean, he was a G League guy for, for most of his career at least uh when you look at last season he uh and now he's the pool party himself quote unquote so there's there's definitely room for improvement for Leicester and Golden State can give him that improvement so I think I think he will be okay honestly no I I I think so too I'm just um I'll just be interested to see um if the NBA allows him to bring his shorts with him 
Um, we shall see. We shall see. Um, <clears throat> next up, we have um, very much the diamond in the rough, Josh Minot with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Once more, again, ah, kind of hit it. He ended up there. And, um, and I'll be honest with you, um, b- beyond, my, beyond my feelings about the organization, um, I, I, do, I do wonder, I do question um, what Minot's perspective career will be like starting in Minnesota. Um, I don't know. I, I go back and forth on how I feel about them as an organization. Um, I, I know this is, this is kind of football talk, but um, Minnesota, they're, they're kind of a disorganized, um, not as disciplined franchise. Um, you go back to the playoff run that, that you Memphians are definitely familiar with. And I mean, again, don't get me wrong. Cat is probably one of the most talented guys in the league, but dear God, he whines no. like no other. Good yeah. Lord. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is Anthony um, team. Yes. This, um, yeah, and yes, definitely hope they pass it over to Ant. I mean, he he, belong, he, he, he needs that torch in his hand. Um, D'Angelo Russell, very hit or miss. Um, I mean, sometimes like you could put up a, a, a missing an action poster for that guy. I mean, um, you you heard you, I'm I'm sure for those who watched the drafts, you guys heard what Big Perk had to say about him, which was hilarious, by the way. Not gonna say a lot of you. Um, on his day, it was it was hilarious. Um, and so again, I I I, I kind of hate it for my not. And you know, with that being said, if the organization's smart and really does turn that turn that team over to Anthony Edwards, um. He might be in a better spot. It, it, it'll be interesting, though. Um, as Memphians know, Minot only averaged 11 minutes at his one year at the University of Memphis. And as you guys know, um, he made it very clear that even if he returns to college and does not end up in the NBA, he was going to transfer away from the university. Um, the university did not, um, in his mind, Penny did not um, allow him to showcase his talents like he should have. And that, that is kind of one of the unfortunate things of coming behind Jalen Dern, which we'll talk about in a minute, and Imani Bates. You know, no, no matter how you feel about Imani Bates, um, he did come in with not as big a name, but, you know, made a name for himself in the time he did get to play, obviously, um, being in the draft. Well, I personally disagree. I think that this is one of the better positions uh, for Josh Minot. Uh, this team is a youth mo- movement. Uh, uh, the, one of the biggest things about the Minnesota Memphis series is that those were the two youngest teams in the playoffs, um, two of the youngest teams ever in the playoffs, to my, if I'm not mistaken. So just being able to have that youth movement along with these players like Anthony Edwards, Cat, uh, you move down the roster a little bit, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, Jaden McDaniels, Malik Beasley, some of those like some of those guys. I think Josh Minot could work there because he, I mean, he does have the talent. He just didn't have as much opportunity as the Lester's of the world of the Jalen Dern's of the world at Memphis. So I think that if, if Minnesota is able to give him that opportunity, Josh Minot can be more than just that hustle, uh, big energy guy that he was at Memphis. So I think that he could work out. And again, um, you know, no, no, no shade on to, um, Minnesota. You know, either way, I'm rooting for Minot. Uh, maybe not the Timberwolves, but I'm rooting for Minot. No, I'm not like Edwards, too. Um, and of course, the big one, um, Jalen Duran off to the Detroit Pistons. The best situation of the night. I mean, my word. I mean, and we'll get to this in a minute, but like you got Cade Cunningham returning for um, a super second season. You got Jaden Ivy, you got Jalen Duran. And, and who knows? You know, these Pistons might swing for the fences and possibly get a DeAndre Ayton. I mean, they might not be, you know, world beaters this year, but the Detroit Pistons are coming for you. No, the Detroit Pistons are going to, mark my words, in three seasons, in, in three years, they're going to be a top three seed in the East, potentially making the finals in the East. They're going to be that good. And and, and, and side note, I, I, 
I really am happy for that team. It's a good franchise. Cade's awesome. Um, very much believe in Dwayne Casey. Um, yeah, that 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 team is, I mean, just thriving with potential. And I think that is a beautiful, perfect situation for Jalen Duran. Yeah. Um, beautiful. As long as he does not um, eat too much Little Caesars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be good. That'll be good. Um, but no, um, definitely reading for those three guys. And I think that is, um, that's just awesome to see. Um, especially in the Penny Hardaway era, um, to see four guys of his, if you include Wiseman, of course, um, four guys of his um, that have been drafted, four draftees in the Penny Hardaway era. That's impressive. Um, and so, and that obviously more to still come with that. And um, just good for the University of Memphis. And it's always good for notoriety. I mean, I mean, yes, we're historical and we're not Duke. We're not Kentucky. We're not, you know, we're, we're not Alabama. We're, we're not North Carolina. We're not, we're not any of those schools. We're not even Gonzaga. And so um, to see... NBA talent um, sifting through this fine university, this fine city is always cool. It, it is neat. No, um, and so that, that kind of ties me into this. Um, we, we just bragged on Detroit. I think um, both locally and nationally, people sort of um, have sort of crowned Detroit as the draft winner, and I would too. Um, That's what I... Um, any other teams that you think um, sort of won the night, if you will? Um, the, second, the second team that caught my eye was the Houston Rockets. The, so you had the, the first and second uh, overall picks from, from last year. They're the draft winners this year. How, how funny is that? But um, I, I like this movement that Houston's going in. Um, as we mentioned with Detroit and Dwayne Casey, I'm a big believer in Steven Silas as well. I think he's, um, I think once they, that Houston Rockets team was able to connect what they had going on that second half of the season last year, they were clicking. Jalen Green was averaging almost like 30 a night, if I'm not mistaken, like post All-Star break. Like he, he was putting up some really good numbers. And so you have, and especially with uh, trading away Christian Wood, you got that third overall draft pick in Jabari Smith, who I think is going to have the most immediate impact of the three guys that the top three guys picked this year, because he's just going to have that, that opportunity. And you have guys like Alperin Shingun. Uh, and then if you want to talk about the other draft picks, uh, Tari Eason, he's uh, a very defensive oriented wing position uh three he uh got a got a nice nice size to him i think that he can fit in immediately with the rockets because uh, the rockets were kind of missing that defensive anchor from that wing position and tari easton is that and then ty ty washington uh i which slipped pretty tremendously exactly he was he was like before the season he was i saw him in like mock drafts like top five top ten so to go almost out of the first round is a steal for the Rockets. So this youth movement that they have is going to be special. And I think that they definitely deserve, deserve a lot of love if you want to talk about draft winners. And, and so, you know, you, you pretty much said it all. I think the only other team I want to contribute, um, and, and again, I'm not calling them world leaders, but I think I think OKC did pretty well for themselves. I um, um, you know, I, I admit, I, I am. I am a Chet Holmgren skeptic, again, for the same reason everyone else is. I mean. He's literally listed at seven feet, 195 pounds. That's insane. Just, just for reference, I'm only 60 pounds lighter and a like full foot and a half shorter. Um, and it, I mean, you, you guys, you guys have watched enough Gonzaga games. You've seen the film on this guy. Um, he is, he's a skinny sucker. Um, yes. but you know, if he can beef up, um, that's a good young team. I love, I love SGA. Um, Shay's, Shay's, um, she's a dog. Um, I, I like, I like Lou Dort. Um, it's a young team who, um, who can who can progress in a few years. And of course, you know, Sam Presley is always going to keep him in the draft. Yeah, um, yes. Okay, um, Thunder GM, 
I was going to keep him in the draft. And so if all else fails, we'll just draft some more players eventually. Um, I do think there, and this is not the point of the conversation, but there is going to come a point where um, where the, those draft picks are going to have to mean something. Um, and again, we, we, we all have faith in Preston. I mean, this, this is the same guy who who had the Thunder in the finals a few years back with um, with KD, with Harden and Westbrook. Um, and so we'll see um, how that goes. But I think I think maybe not maybe not winner, maybe not A plus, but I, I think um, the Oklahoma City Thunder um, are probably on their way up as well. Um, I no, I agree. Um, I think back to who their coach is, Mark Dagnall. Um, for those who don't know, he was prior to his time as the OKC head coach. He was the OKC Blue head coach, which was their G League team. So he has a developmental background. So having this young team that they do have now, and this um, because you you got Chet Holmgren, you got Usman uh, Us, Usman Dang from France, uh, you got both Jalen Williams, which is I already know once the season starts. I'm surprised they, I didn't see it as as many memes now as I have, but that'll be memed. I I, I know it will. But regardless, um, he has a, he has a, he has a lot to work with, and. I think that's good because for a team that's obviously not like a contender now, uh, there's a lot of time that they have to throw these pieces together. And as long as as long as those guys are happy, because that's obviously the ultimate goal is to be happy beyond winning. Um, I think that I think that they deserve some 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 love for sure. That's awesome. And um, the the uh, as we're sort of closing out, I know we all get a little draft crazy. We love the draft. Um, Sports fans are all big into it, especially in the NBA. Um, The other big thing that 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 the NBA junkies of the world love about this summertime, this off season free agency Um, for me, as much as I enjoy other things, other sports, there is this, this beautiful soap opera that is NBA free agency and the NBA off season that that I do truly love. I I very much enjoy the rumors. I very much enjoy the carousel. Um, I love the ESPN trade machine. Um, And so, so there are a few names I want to just sort of throw out to you that, that, that um, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on. So, so how how I want to sort of structure this is I'm going to say a name, and then I want you to sort of discuss with me um, and discuss with the people um, what what that future entails and what that's going to look like. Let's um, do it. And the first one I want to throw out there is Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal. Okay. Um, I was thinking. I was thinking about it. I think he's out the door. Whether that be this off season or in the coming next off season. I think by the end of the next off season. Bradley Beal will not be a Washington Wizard. Um, with the 10th overall pick, the Washington Wizards drafted Johnny Davis, which ultimately like the same, the same position, same body. We talked about the combo guards earlier. He is a two. Johnny Davis is a two. He's a scorer. He is a defender. Um, good, very good piece. I think Johnny Davis could be pretty good for that team. Um, but that is that is Bradley Beal's position. I know they were trying to have him uh ball handle a little bit, but Bradley Beal is primarily a two he's a two at heart and that's what johnny davis is as well so um i think they're they've kind of accepted the fact that bradley beal may be out of the door soon i know he had a twitter um post basically questioning the rumors that were put out saying that he was out the door but i think there's still some validity to it even though bradley beal didn't want his uh, reputation to be tarnished i think he could be out of the door soon and that's that's where i am with him in washington because he's he said in his he said in an interview that his goal is to win and you're not going to win in Washington with this team that they have constructed right now. They are the definition of mediocrity, middle of the pack team. So you're not going to win there. And in NBA, NBA circles, as they say, um, Paratory is the worst place to be oh, in yeah. the NBA. Oh, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> 
Um, you might not be ready for this question, but um, any possible destinations if, if he does not end up back with the Wizards? Um, first team that comes to mind is the Miami Heat. Um, the Miami Heat, you saw in their run, that one, of the, one of their biggest question marks is that offensive game. Take away, okay, Jimmy, as great as Jimmy Butler is, as, Jim, as great as Jimmy Butler was during this run, he was a one-man crew on the offensive side of the ball. That he, had to, he had to take every shot, make every shot for them to be in that game seven. And that I know is as controversial as that shot was for him to be to take in that game seven. Like it, it was it just exemplifies that this was pretty much the Jimmy Butler show. So the offense got stagnant at times, which the Grizzlies have as well, which is really arguably their downfall in that Boston series. Exactly. Once once you you you'll have your occasional Bam Adebayo game, which he is a good good player. I like Bam Adebayo a lot, but he's he's not going to be one of those guys that's going to give you a constant offensive load every night. Um, and Tyler Hero was injured throughout the series, but still you had you had a lot of offensive stagnation during that series, during their run, and during just as a whole for the Miami Heat. And Bradley Beal answers a lot of those questions. Um, I and I think having a like a a duo of Bradley Beal and Jimmy Butler could answer a lot of questions because you have your defensive anchor and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, and then you have that instant offense in Bradley Beal. And I know Bradley Beal, the name isn't as big as the likes of other names in the league, but... And maybe not as big as his name would have been five years ago. Exactly. But that boy can get buckets. The real deal Bradley Beal can get buckets for sure. So I think Miami, if you if if Pat Riley and that, that crew hears that uh, Bradley Beal wants out, the 305 should be calling him up, trying to get him on the next flight out, out to Dade County. Three more names I want to toss out. Um, um, Zach Levine. Zach Levine. The more and more I think about it, the more and more I think he stays in sh- Chicago. I know a, a team that he was linked to a lot earlier was the San Antonio Spurs. And for those that don't know, the San Antonio Spurs have had their own little fiasco going on. Uh, rumor, rumor was going around that there was a, about to be a blockbuster trade and DeJounte Murray to Atlanta for John Collins. And for those that don't know, DeJounte Murray and Zach Levine are close friends, both from the Seattle area. Basketball is king over there. Basketball is very much king in Seattle. Uh, so I think that just the potential for DeJounte's place in San Antonio not being 100% firm pretty much tells me that Zach Levine will stay in Chicago, especially if Chicago is able to pay him the money that he wants. And too, you, you look at Chicago and injuries really derailed that season when they're all healthy. DeRozan, Ball, Caruso, um, they were playing pretty well. I mean, they, they got up to what? Two in the East? They were they were one. They were, yeah, one in the East for a while. Um, and so I think running back in Chicago might not be the worst in the world for him. So I can dig that. Um, a name that people, no one's really talking about, but I'm just interested in to see if there are any thoughts that you might have that I haven't heard already. Um, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. Um, that See, that's, that's a very polarizing name. Because you have, um, for those that don't know, the Indiana Pacers declined a trade. And I'll bring up the specifics of the trade in just a second. But essentially, the basis of the trade was Malcolm Brogdon being sent from Indiana to L.A. for Russell Westbrook. And the Pacers declined the trade. So he's not that tells me he's not a very valuable piece um, across the association, which is sad because I think Russell Westbrook still has enough in the tank to make it a couple years and to be a valuable piece. But I think this past season in L.A. has tarnished his reputation, which is very sad. But um, especially being a hometown boy. Exactly. Especially being from the city of L.A., I think that um, it wasn't the honeymoon that he expected it to be. It wasn't the 
the glitz and the glamour and the roses and the sunshine that he expected this homecoming to be. But um, I think with a good season, this coming up season, um, the, the acquisition of Darvin Ham, I think is going to turn out to be pretty good. I, I think Darvin Ham has a lot of potential to be a really good coach. I mean, you saw what he did with the Bucks. Uh, he, I, he had a lot of praise among the association and he, his name has been thrown around for for years now as becoming a head coach. So I think Darvin Ham will be good for that team. And I think that the potential to be better than, has potential to be better than it was next season, uh, last season. So, and, and we in Memphis can testify to the, to the goodness and fruit of the, uh, the Budenholzer tree. Yes. Taylor freaking Jenkins. What a guy. But yes, I think, I think Russell Westbrook ends up staying ultimately um, rooting for him. So let, let, let's, let's sort of end here with the head scratcher. Uh, I, I feel like I already know who you're going to go. Just for fun. Kyrie Irving. I, yep. Um, Kyrie Irving. Oh boy. This is going to be fun. Um, three words. I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. And it's, I think that is the most fun thing about Kyrie Irving is that he is so, um, so him and you can't know him down anything. Can no, you? no, he's, he's such, he's such a, a person that he, uh, he can have, he can do one thing and then wake up the next day and be like, you know what? Nah. But, um, he had a, he had a short list of six teams that he would want to go to had, which I thought was very interesting that he had the 76ers on that list. I don't. I think that he wants to win and that that is a team that could win. Hmm. So for those that don't know, Kyrie Irving had those six teams and the six teams were... Off the top of my head, I know the 76ers, Knicks, Lakers, Clippers, Heat, Heat, and Mavericks. Mavericks, there you go. Perfect. Um, I was of the belief, money aside, that a perfect situation for him would be the Denver Nuggets running with Nicole Jokic. I think that offense would be electric. That offense would be outstanding. That offense would be everything. But um, from those six teams, if we're going to, if we're going to um, base it off these six teams alone, I think his perfect situation, all money aside, all of that aside is the LA Clippers. As much as it sucks for me to say as a Grizzlies fan, and as a team, as a fan of a team in the West, playing off Ky, uh, having a, a trio of Kyrie, Kawhi, and PG would be one of the best things basketball has ever seen. I think I think it would be a beautiful, a beautiful, uh, some beautiful basketball being played. So I think that Kyrie to LA would be perfect. I think that if they're able to make that money money work out there, that that's probably the best situation for him. Am I hearing you say his days in Brooklyn are in fact numbered? I. I think he's played his last game at the Barclays Center. Well, as a as a Brooklyn net. What does that mean for one Kevin Durant? I think he stays, at least for this year. Um, you're supposed to say Katie to Memphis. Hey, easy money sniper. If you're listening to this, if you want to come out to Memphis, let us know. We'll we'll make sure Wingo Ronos, buddy. I know, right? We'll pick you up from the airport. Yeah, we got you. But um, yeah, I think that Katie stays at least for this season. Um, as far as what happens next season, every everything is so fast paced in the NBA that Something can change on a dime, so I can't really say what happens next season for him. And that 2023 um, free agency class is um, is a stunner of itself. Oh man, we're going to be having this this talk next year, and it's going to be whole whole lot of different names, but it's still going to be fun. I, and hey, go Grizz! That's all I have to say. Um, but there you have it. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. I know this is much longer than usual, but hopefully you were entertained and enjoyed the Johnsons bringing some basketball talk. My name is Randy Johnson. Thank you for listening to us today, and my special host for this week shelby johnson again just hoping i don't bring the ratings down nah never you have anything else to say and then i'm so happy to be here um again hope there's still known the power to be a part of soon um go grizzlies go tigers go grizzlies go tigers and you guys have a great day love you guys peace don't forget to join us next time
on the prowl. With the boys, yeah we swoop, yeah we swoop, and we got them high box, and we'll shoot, and we'll shoot with the Mercedes.